another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we talk about the Chiefs and the, sorry, should I say the number one team in the AFC? That's right, the Chiefs get the bye in the playoffs. We beat the Raiders. Things are going really well. Finally, we have a game, Reese, that we won quarter one two three and four like we said last week uh, we haven't seen it for 18 straight weeks and finally the time has come we are free at last Ugh. and it had to come to it had to come to a backup quarterback that like josh mcdaniels loves and only josh mcdaniels loves oh my gosh it feels so good i had that thought too where yeah because they had no tape on him and they were just like like he's actually throwing the ball what the hell stidham <laughs> dropped like 35 points on the 49ers you know so watch out city stardust no it's like when people get talking about it being a gunslinger i'm like yo is this the same guy i saw play college ball and the same guy i saw play for the patriots for like three or four games or whatever it was like i'm not scared where did he play guy. in college did pretty, he play in Iowa? Sure he's auburn wasn't he Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think at one point... Yeah, didn't he upset Alabama at one point? That's where he got his... I'm, I'm sure he did, but... I don't know. Just watching him play is so interesting because if you, like, I don't know, put a gun to my head and just put them all in gray jerseys and I couldn't see their face and you're like, yo, Jared Stidham, Mike White... Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, I can, I can tell Jimmy Garoppolo. He's get, Jimmy Stetson Garoppolo. Bennett. Stetson Bennett's another one. It's just like, yo, <laughs> tell me the difference between those three guys. I'm like, oh gosh, I, I don't think I could. It's like Joe Flacco. Eh, Flacco. Okay, Flacco. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Flacco, you know. <laughs> yeah, prime Flacco. But it's just like Brock Osweiler. Oh, Brock. I mean, yeah. Other than him being like, sorry, seven I can do this tall, all day. <laughs> you know, Davis Mills is kind of the same way. It's just like. You know, oh, you can tell with that neck though, that horse neck. You know it's Davis Mills. Oh, dude, do you think he gets mosquito bites just like all summer long on that neck? It's just like a scratching post for mosquitoes. Yeah, but no, just watching Stidham play. You know, he got strip sacked once or twice. It made me wonder, like, what's the biggest difference between a backup quarterback and a starting quarterback? I almost feel it's like no, hmm. like pocket presence and knowing how to take a hit pocket so like i i would say i would say confidence because i feel like most backups are just trying to keep their job so they won't like try to be risky like burrow or like Derek Hart is incredibly risky quarterback pat when he needs to but i feel like i feel like someone like colt mccoy or someone Mm -hmm. like or even jimmy garoppolo like these guys just don't make mistakes but they're but they're also like the guy that you don't want in the fourth quarter right like like they they aren't a guy that's gonna make a play where i feel like they like colt mccoy knows the playbook like he's probably the smartest guy in the room in arizona with arizona cardinals but i'm not gonna trust him on a on a fourth and five you know with the game on the line but i will trust you know even i would trust even mike white over him actually that's a that's a different subject but yeah i don't know i think it's confidence and like someone that you this is kind of stupid because it's not measurable but someone that is going to make a play right like, yeah i would never trust a backup to make a play okay for chad henny but like <laughs> you know what about ryan fitzpatrick and garner Minshew? then do we have like a different tier of quarterbacks <sighs> Yeah, yeah, because like I, I feel like I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Gardner Minshew are very good quarterbacks. It's just that we have a surplus of very good quarterbacks, and also we have a tier of football teams that won't take a risk on 
Ryan Fitzpatrick because why like why why would they why would they have them as their starting quarterback when they can use a rookie and if the rookie doesn't pan out then they're going to get you know a high draft pick kind of like the Houston Texans doing like the two quarterback system at the end of the year where you you definitely have the like starting quarterback you have the backup quarterback but in between you have this like starting purgatory and yeah Fitzpatrick and definitely Minshew are in that because we saw Minshew just sling the ball a couple weeks ago Pretty good, I thought. Oh, yeah. No, I knew Minshew was good the first time he took the field against us a few years ago at Jacksonville. Just like watching the way he moved in the pocket and the way he'd roll out and he'd throw with confidence. Like, yo, this guy can ball. You know, he can play. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to be like, you know, a future top 15 quarterback in the league, but, you know, it's it's almost just like you got backup quarterbacks that are just kind of like warm bodies and there's your Stidhams and your Mike Whites and all that. And, and then you got backups that it's like if you needed them to hold down the fort for three to five games, you know, there's a good chance that they could win you at least two or three of those. And I feel like Chad Henney a few years ago was one of those dudes. Matt Moore. Uh, Nick Foles. Nick Foles. And there's your Garner Minshews. There's your Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's like you don't want them for 16 games because they're going to be like too volatile. But where it's like, okay, go out and just be Superman for the next five to six games and like keep us in the playoff hunt. That's what those dudes are. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Gardner Minshew a couple weeks ago proved that if a team like a Jimmy Garoppolo, well, the 49ers don't count because Shanahan can literally use anyone like he's using Brock Purdy. But like, say you don't have a Shanahan and and Jimmy Garoppolo goes out and the 49ers are like nine and eight, right? Like, I feel like if I were a general manager, I would sign Gardner Minshew for the playoffs and just say like, hey, I would rather this guy than Brock Purdy and I think like he can make some plays out there. So, I don't know. That's an interesting debate. Maybe we can do that in the offseason because I feel like we can spend oh, like two hours sure, on for this. for sure. Yeah, uh, instead of making a murderer, it's like <laughs> making a backup quarterback. We we aren't football specialists, but you and I know a lot about backup quarterbacks and game manager quarterbacks. We can talk about those things for weeks. <laughs> With a forward by Joe Burrow. <laughs> uh, Reese, did you do anything fun this week uh, since I saw you last week? Uh, oh, I, I did get a blender. That's hey, a highlight. Are you? Are you? Yeah. Oh, well, it, happy new. Wait, no, I've seen you after New Year's, right? Never mind. Because <laughs> I was going to ask yes. you, is this a part of a New Year's resolution? You're like doing a juice blend or what? No. So a few years ago, I think my older sister gave me like a $50 Visa, you know, gift card as a birthday present. She's like, I didn't know what to get you. Uh, I know you'll get something you want with this. Here it is. I'm like, oh, great. Thank you. So I sat on it and I was perpetually waiting for the right combination of something i wanted to price ratio of 50 dollars because like you know i I got a a new big screen back in september or something like that but it's like i'm not gonna put 50 bucks towards a big screen it's like a drop in the bucket like who cares uh so there have been some things i've like kicked bucket you know kicked uh kicked around getting some bowie things but uh i decided a little earlier well back in december i'm like you know i'd like a new blender because one noel has like made a glass that is chipped and it's old doesn't work so well um so noel and i were at costco and lo and behold they had a nutribullet blender not just the little you know personal one but like an actual blender that also did come with two of the personal things nice. on there and they had it marked they had it marked down it was like normally 160 bucks and they were selling it for 80 so i'm like yo I can put my $50 gift card towards an $80 blender and suddenly I'm paying 30 bucks for a good blender. I'm like, there's my ratio of thing I want to like price point knockout. Because I wouldn't spend 80 bucks in a blender, 
but right. I would spend thirty on a blender. So if, if anyone knows Reese, they they know Reese loves a deal. Mm, I love deals, <laughs> dude. We should have a, a segment for like contracts and deals. The NFL. Be like good price, bad price. Let's make. A we deal. should, especially in the off season. There's going to be a lot of that, dude. We'll have to do that. So that's that's what's going on for me. What about you, Armando? What you uh, what you got going on? Not much. I just got back from San Francisco, back home for a little bit. Um, there's a gig in the works that might happen, so I might be gone in a little bit as well. But it's nice to be back now. I spent the whole day with Theo, dude. I was gone for I was gone for like not even a week, man, and I come back and his head is like adult size already. <laughs> I'm just like I was like he looks like a mega mind. It's like a tiny man. So it took me it took me like six hours to like process that I had been gone and that he's changing and like things. Mm-hmm. It's okay. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. So that was crazy, man. But I, I got to spend the whole day with him. Logan just started her new job. Uh, well, actually, my my mother in law took him in the morning, and then I took him in the afternoon and the evening. Um, so it was fun, man. We just he's he's at the point where like if he's fussy, it's because of like stomach things he has going on, and not necessarily just like a fussy cry baby all the time. But like it's like if mm-hmm. he's crying now, then it's like we know something is up. Where before it's like, oh, he's a baby, he's crying. But now he's chilling out where like he's very attentive and he like always wants to play now, which is wild. Like he's not even three months old and he like like he took like a 10 minute nap got up saw me like smile and he was like it's it's party time and i was like oh he's just like his he's just like his papa man (laughs) he's like hey man you want to do lines of baby formula powder (laughs) let's go Uh, definitely not that part of hot take mono but (laughs) uh no it's fun man i was telling logan i was man i'm i told logan i was like "I'm, i'm just exhausted from like playing all the different characters in his playtime there's all these like there's a rhinoceros there's a bear and dude like even though he doesn't understand like i go in in the story man like like i am the rhinoceros i have a name like my my, my rhinoceros is in a band i start playing like cover hits with with because like he's a little shaker and then and then the the uh the bear is like this bell so like we're jamming dude and i go like i know he doesn't care but i'm i'm going all in dude you're going hard you're like accompanying just like playing multiple instruments on your keyboard in the background <laughs> i mean this is this like, is what do you super, mean out of the band this is super nerdy but since we talked about music theory on here like i was totally doing like like cross rhythm i was doing mixed rhythms like two two against three and three against four with him i'm like here we go <laughs> bum, ba, damn, ba, 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 ah. oh dude he's gonna grow up to be a rush fan that's incredible <laughs> Does Rush? Uh, I I know nothing about Rush. Do they really do like three against four, two against three, all those things? Oh, are they Dude, all that's about like it? Rush's in that's their entire prerogative. Is they have like crazy breakdowns and like okay, not insanity, but like. But I feel like Rush is too mainstream for cross rhythms. Where like, I feel like the uh, the average audience member wouldn't appreciate that. I mean, Tom Sawyer's and it's like uh, seven four. Really? Oh, that's right. Or whatever it is. Yeah, it's in six four at least. No, you're right. No, it is. It is a. I think. I think you and I really do have to start this music theory pod now. Oh my gosh! Yeah, if you, if you thought beer nerds are bad, dude, music nerds are just gonna like absolutely obliterate us, just destroy us. that. <laughs> oh, that's not Dorian. That's Mixolydian. Stupid. 
I was sorry. I don't want to get off subject, but it's on subject kind of because this is what our podcast is about. Oh, by the way, we also do craft beer, everybody. Um, I went to this a uh, great craft beer bar um, rec- recommended by um, by Coldstone Chief Austin called Tornado, and it, dude, you would fall in love with it, Reese, because it is it is the diviest bar that I've ever been to. There's maybe like forty seats. If you don't know craft beer and you just walked by, you're, you would think it's some like biker smoker bar that was like built in the 1980s and like hasn't changed which is true but the things they have on tap they had six russian river beers on tap and then they had and it's like only bay area exclusive beers so like they have no bud light they have no it is all craft beers and i'm like where am i And, and 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 the people that were there were super cool we started nerding out i told them i used to work at weldwork so like they knew what that that was and we talked about Bierstadt and like it's just so funny like think of going to like boston and going to the cheers bar but everyone being a craft beer nerd but like also just loving this like down-to-earth dive bar it was beautiful toronado is that what it's called yeah yeah toronado out in san fran by oldsmobile I mean, it literally looks like just this like dump. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to belittle it, but I also think they take pride in it. Like it looks like a dumpy bar. <laughs> oh yeah, interesting. Oh yeah, look at these photos. Oh, Actually, yeah, remember, 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 Blind Tiger. Remember when we went in Westport? Oh, yeah. So think of Blind Tiger, but smaller and like like grungier, and then like oh, the best craft wow. beer bar in the Bay Area. Like. It's great. Ani, yeah, the bar was great. Uh, my, my friends that live there are like, oh, it's so like, it's so gross. Like the transit and like the city sometimes is really gross. I was like, have you been to New York? Like, have you been to Manhattan? Oh. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, this seriously. is this is amazing. I was giving all, all, all my friends flack for like complaining about oh, the yeah. bus system. I was like, spend a week in Manhattan and tell me that the BART sucks. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, it's, it's all those, it's all those Palo Alto yuppies, man. It's not, it's not nice enough. When you go to a campus that has ass turf for grass you know you expect just like <laughs> space age trains that clean themselves <laughs> snowflakes oh my gosh uh reese if 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 the fans even after our music theory are uh, san francisco nerding out if they're still with us and they enjoy what they're listening to how can they contribute to this podcast or find us on social media man if you want to find us on social media you can check us out at instagram at fountain city sm we're also on facebook although i'm not sure when the last time we touched that was at fountain city sm yeah and but, i don't know if zuckerberg shut us down yet but try it <laughs> dude yeah we're, we're lost in the metaverse uh but if you really like this podcast and you want to contribute for the price of one cup of coffee a month Check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash FCSM, where you'll get outtakes, bonus episodes, exclusive beer reviews, and mini-series, including Speedy and Angry, our 10-part in-depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise. If I scheduled it correctly, uh, episode 8 should have dropped yesterday on Patreon, which is uh, Fast and Furious 8. We have the uh, next episode, Hobbs and Shaw, recorded. It's in editing mode, so that should be landing on there pretty soon. But after that, dude, we got F9 and whenever Fast and Furious 10 comes out, and then we've hit the end. Wow. That's crazy. How long? This has been yeah. six months in the works. You guys have been doing this? Ooh. Almost? Yeah, I think Alex and I started like back in April. So April, May, June, July, August, September, November, December. Yeah, it's been about nine months. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. A great, a great work. So thank you, Reese. Thank you. Uh, rad Russian Alex Nikolenko. So subscribe there so you can get some excellent episodes and we have a ton of stuff on there. So please consider donating as that's our that's our source of income on this podcast. Uh, and we appreciate all that you do. All right. Um, so Reese, let's talk about the game. Let's so let's talk about the good stuff in this game because there really wasn't any. I mean, there are some like negative things that we can talk about, but for the most part, like we said in the beginning of the podcast, this game was won in quarter one, two, three, and four. Raiders owner Mark Davis Jr. is having himself a bit of a crisis right now, and he is livid to the fact that there are so many away fans at Las Vegas Raiders games. Have you heard about this, Armando? I haven't, but I'm not surprised. There was definitely at least 40% of that stadium was Chiefs fans on Sunday. Or Saturday. Absolutely. And it's not just the Chiefs. It's any away team that comes into the Roomba of Doomba, or whatever it's called now. Because what did you expect uprooting your team from the Bay Area, from Southern California, and putting it in Las Vegas, a city that is not a sports town, that is a very transient city, that does not have, I'm a lifelong loud and proud Las Vegaser, let's cheer for our teams. No. You know what you did? You put a stadium and a team in an entertainment district... So when everyone, all these away team fans say, okay, I got money to go to one away game this year for my team. Where should we go? Oh, we're playing in Las Vegas? Okay, sure, yeah, let's take an extended weekend. We'll go play, you know, hit the tables, hit the casinos, get the buffets, and then we'll go see our team beat up on the Raiders. What did he expect? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. I don't I don't know what the other sites they were thinking of, but yeah, I mean, out of out of any place, not only because of like the entertainment center, but it's also really affordable to go to to Vegas, right? You can you can get a hotel oh, yeah. room for like thirty bucks a night, and you can get a south you can get a Southwest flight now for forty five dollars. I know that. Um, mm-hmm. We are not Cheapest sponsored by country. South Southwest, but I'm telling you, Logan, I just booked some mad flights to Arizona, forty five bucks each way. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, they're sad about what they did over Christmas. Is yeah. why. Oops, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. and they're still going to make a profit anyway. Um, For sure. Yeah, no, like it's it's super affordable, and like who exactly exactly who lives in Las Vegas? Like I know people live there, but they don't live on the Strip. They they come from other places, and they have no fandom to the Raiders, right? Like. If you like sports, I guess you would like their basketball, like their college basketball team's very good, but that's about yeah. it. I don't know. Yeah, major L for uh, for Davis. Well, I mean, it's the same thing too. For I mean, to a lesser extent, because it's a small arena, but like the Golden Knights, it'll be the same thing for if they put a baseball team out there when they move the Royals. You know, it'll be the same thing if they put an NBA team out there. It's just like, dude, no, nobody's a Las Vegas fan. Just because there's people in a place or traffic in a place does not mean it's a good, healthy market for a sports team. And I think they're seeing that too right now in Los Angeles with the Raiders, or sorry, with the Chargers and the Rams. And it's a very similar situation. You know, like whenever the Niners are playing at home or basically playing at home up there, it looks like a home game for the Niners. It's a sea of crimson and gold. Yeah, I don't understand. Well, I mean, 
Mark Davis lost it, lost like to capitalize on moving the Raiders to L.A. because there's a ton of Raiders fans in L.A. I mean, oh, if you go sure. to like that would have been good, but of course it would have been super saturated with the Chargers and the Rams. But that that's the only city that I can think of a relocation for the Raiders that would have been incredibly successful. I mean, if you go to L.A. and you spend a week in L.A., people are either wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey or they're wearing some sort of Raiders jersey. Um, and that's all, that's the only thing I can think of when I'm in LA. I mean, come on, dude. I mean, I'll say it again. The answer, the answer was always, you had the Rams in Los Angeles, you put the Raiders in Los Angeles and you put the chargers in St. Louis. Who says no? Yeah. And I, I, I feel like, I feel like the chart or I feel like St. Louis would like embrace that because it's not like the St. Louis fans are like bad fans. It's just hmm. that it's a smaller market, but I feel like they would be very loyal to a team that would go there. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. They're a baseball city and they're very excited for St. Louis SC, which to me, whenever I see St. Louis SC, it always looks, I, I read it in my head as St. Louis, St. Louis, USC, St. Louis city. And I'm like, why oh. would you do that? <laughs> But I, neither I here nor there. Louis, USC. I, I think there was a football game between the Chiefs and the Raiders this last week. Yeah, apparently there was, uh, Reese. So the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Raiders 31-13. to A great game all around, offense and defense. Reese, let's go back and forth. I just want, let's talk about some highlights from the games, thing, things that you enjoyed. Um, so, Reese. I think what sums up this game and sums up why I am hopeful for the Chiefs going into the playoffs is that ring around the rosy play and the resurgence of Kadarius Tony. Like like that that ring around the rosy play. I've talked about this before with you about how we've compared Stephen Curry and how we've compared Patrick Mahomes not because of their talent but because they play with joy and because they play like having fun and that's when the Chiefs are at their best and I think like that ring around the rosy play is the is like the epitome of Chiefs football like they're having fun Andy Reid's uh, apparently um Tyreek or sorry Travis Kelsey and Pat like made that play in practice a couple weeks ago and Andy's like I love it let's let's do it and I feel like this is the culmination of the season we've been wanting something like this and finally we get it in that play and also Kadarius Tony like uh, making the touchdown and then I think it was was it Creed Humphrey that just like laid out some dude and then they called him oh, for yeah. holding even though he just like it was just a great play by Creed he just he's too big um, so then Kadarius Tony goes fine I'll do it again and then scores another touchdown I mean just amazing why don't you talk about uh, let, let's start with that. Well, I, th- I think I sent that meme in the group chat where Kadarius Tony scores a touchdown off of the Rosie. They call it back, and he's like, "And I took that personally." And he scores. Oh yeah, that's on, right. On a very <laughs> similar MJ. play, you know, he goes into motion on the left hand side, beats the guy to the corner. It's, I mean, he should have gotten a horse collar tackle or the guy that grabbed him by some. It's neither yeah. here nor there. Uh, important thing being. It was a very exciting trick play. I, I got visions of uh, what's the one we did in the Super Bowl? It's called like Rose Bowl forty five or something like that. Remember that oh, play? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That he took it from like the nineteen fifties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was the same kind of thing, you know, where it's motion pre snap, but it's like a really unique motion. And uh, I can't remember where I saw it. It was a, a breakdown of the play where they just show like the literal X's and O's of the players on both sides. And they're like, the pre-snap motion legitimately threw the, the Raiders out of whack because they were in a pretty standard base package. And then as soon as they got out of that ring around their rosy formation, like everybody not on the D-line just kind of like drifted in random locations. <laughs> and it's like, wow, it worked. 
The second thing I love about that is the direct snap to Jarek McKinnon because as I've mentioned millions of times on here, he played in a triple option offense in college, so he's no stranger to having to run plays where it's like, okay, am I going to run or am I going to pass in this situation? Who's the open man? Follow my blocks. No problem. So it was an exciting play. Uh, you sent this to the group chat. There was that dude on the Broncos who was pretty upset about it. I can't even remember oh, his yeah. name. <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's, the, he's the outside guard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Uh, what, I, did, I can see his face, but... Quinn I mean, something, maybe? What was it? Quinn something? I don't remember. Brady Quinn. That's right. It was Brady Quinn. He's mad. <laughs> <laughs> he gained a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah, right? He's back in the league with a new bod. No, it's that's not important, but... Uh, you know, we, we've tried to shy away from doing less gimmicky things in the red zone, which I'm happy with. And I mean, we saw it later in this game when Ronald Jones just like ground and pounded that one touchdown in from three yards out, which, dude, honest to goodness, when was the last time we just did like the three yards in a cloud of smoke to get a running back over the goal line inside the five? It felt so good to see that. So yeah. good. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's great because this whole year, Reese, I feel like, and, and no, like even the whole Patrick Mahomes era, I feel like we never have any luck in the red zone, and kind of because of these trick plays, I feel like we've never have success in the red zone because we're always trying to do something. But I feel like that is trying to cover up the big mistake of like not having people to make plays in the red zone. Where mm-hmm. I feel like now we have a balance of, okay, now we do have running backs and now we have a system in these three front guards and in Tony, or sorry, Tooney, uh, Tooney, Trey Smith, and in Creed Humphrey, we finally have like a protection there so that then we can have a balanced game in the red zone and now we can start playing with those trick plays the trick plays aren't the like cop out the trick plays are just are just like a nice nice juxtapose to our running game that we can really utilize in the red zone i still would like to see a little more one-on-one we haven't really seen a lot of one-on-one like you know put um marquez valdez scantley off to the side or even Kadarius tony now that we know he can get up and grab it would love Mm -hmm. to see a little more of that in the red zone that we haven't seen but hey i'll take I'll take circus circus plays. I'll take Isaiah Pacheco and even Ronald Jones in the in the end zone any day in the red zone. So I'm I'm glad that finally we're trending upward when it comes to red zone production. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy. It seems like I think we have actually one of the most efficient red zone offenses in the league. Although, like I kind of alluded to last episode, anytime we get a first and goal between like the six and ten yard line i'm just like well this is three points because we're gonna find a way just to pass 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 and have the offense shut down but i want to talk a little bit more about our boy Kadarius tony armando let's go i know that when he's at the giants he suffered a lot of uh nagging injury issues not unlike a former friend of the podcast sammy watkins but Kadarius Tony, in his limited playtime with Kansas City, has made himself felt far more than he ever did when he was at New York. Armando, on a scale of 1 to 10, how big is Kadarius Tony going to be going forward in the playoffs? 11. 11? 
I I have bought all the Kadarius Tony stonks. I told you in the beginning of the when we signed Kadarius Tony. I said on the pod. I think I know for sure. I said it on the um, on the text chain. I was like, you know what? There's some streaks of Tyree Kill and Kadarius Tony. Everyone everyone laughing, and even I'm laughing. I'm like, all right, uh, that that's a little too hot. Take you for me. But Reese, we heard Brett Veach say that I think Kadarius Tony is already the best receiver on this team what? and like for yeah you didn't see that brett, brett said that. after the game yeah veach oh said gosh. he was like he was like yeah i think I, I think he's he's already our best receiver so like for something like that i don't think that's as hype hyperbolic as saying Kadarius tony is one for one to tyreek hill but mm-hmm. i think i i think there is something incredibly special here and maybe he can't be tyreek hill but he can pre- be pretty damn close i mean even the thing, even like him, him juking, going from like one space to the next. I I never saw Tyree Kill do that. Tyree Kill's fast, but like what he can do with the ball, and you know the let's see with with the the, the difference between Kadarius Tony and Tyree Kill. When Tyree Kill got the ball, he used his speed to get the extra yardage. Kadarius Tony uses his 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 footwork, and Kadarius Tony can juke like no one I've ever seen before. Um, and it's just it's just incredible to see. He's athletic, he's fast, but he also just like the way that he runs with the ball and can like beat the tackle and keep going and get the yards i've never seen it before anybody on the chiefs offense except for like maybe travis kelsey but travis kelsey's huge it's just like he's incredible i love him i think the sky is a limit i think if he stays here let's screw it i'm hot take mono so here we go reese if if Kadarius tony stays with patrick mahomes for six years and they win at least two Super Bowls together, Kadarius Tony is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that is a hot take, my friend. But that it has to be take. five to six years in this Chiefs offense and two Super Bowl rings. Oh, my word. Well, man, I'm glad you brought up the Tyree Kill comparison because the more I've watched of him this season, I'm not going to say one for one. Oh, he's, he's Tyree kill. Cause he's like pretty fast and he's hard to tackle. And he's only like, you know, he's under six foot two. It's no, it's, there's not another one for one Tyree kill. We all know this. You know, people have tried rugs, Hardman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What we do have in Kadarius Tony though, is the potential for Patrick Mahomes to have his new favorite toy in the receiving core. Travis Kelsey notwithstanding, you know what I'm talking about. But the way that Kadarius Tony can track balls, his route running ability, his skills in beating man coverage, dude, he might not be one for one Tyree Kill, but you know what Kadarius Tony reminds me of? I'm going to tell you because you're not going to guess because this is a Frankenstein. He's a combination of Percy Harvin's speed. Route I was just going to say Percy Harvin. But Dante Hall's ability to juke guys out of his shoes. Ooh, I love that hybrid. The Dante Hall was a terrific return man, but not quite a great average receiver. But we now have, like I said, the Percy Harvin side of the receiver with some of that breakaway speed with the juking abilities of Dante Hall in a guy who can high point and track a ball. If he can stay healthy, which right now is a big if... Mm-hmm. Kadarius Tony could be very bad news for opposing defenses over the next three years. 
And and you you know what's even scarier, Reese, is the last time that we saw McCole Hardman was, I believe, during or it was the game after the 49ers game, is that correct? It was week nine, yeah. Yeah, and, and McCole had three touchdowns, and then he had like two touchdowns the next game, right? And then he got injured. Um we haven't seen Kadarius with McCole Hardman yet. And we get to see. Well, we're going to talk about the about uh, about the Chiefs getting the number one uh, pick. Sorry, not the number one pick. Chiefs getting the number one seed and the bye week later. But McCole Hardman gets another week of rest. And we also the last time we saw McCole Hardman, I would say it was McCole Hardman's prime. So we might have prime McCole Hardman with what looks like. I mean, we, we don't even know what the peak of Kadarius Tony is, but this is the best football he's ever played. We have like two guys peaking at the same time and we haven't seen him together yet. Like it, it was so important to see Kadarius Tony, but even more important that, that we have that extra week to have McCole rest. And like this, this offense is already good, right? It's the number one offense in the NFL. We're scoring just under 30 points a game and we haven't had everyone together. Like we haven't had Juju, Sky, McCole, Kadarius, tra- uh, Travis Kelsey. That, that's that's five receivers. Yes, I'm including Travis. And yep. then also, you know, Justin Watson's holding his own too. We haven't seen them all in the field at the same time, Reese. Oh yeah, and by the way, Jared McKinnon who's probably has the most um, touchdowns as as a wide receiver on this team. Anyway, yeah. we haven't seen these seven guys together, Reese, and we're gonna hopefully get to see them all together for the first time in the playoffs. I mean, this is scary. Like this is this is probably. Uh, ooh, oh, screw it. Let's, let's let's have this debate. Is this the best Patrick Mahomes offense that he's ever had? Um, better better than his 50, 50 plus touchdown and five thousand yard year. Man, it's so hard because it's so different. Because I, I would say top to bottom, it's difficult because it's his first year playing with a lot of these guys. But he does have more options at receiver than he used to because. You know, it used to be at any given point, it was Tyreek, Travis Kelsey, if Sammy Watkins was there and healthy Sammy Watkins, but more often than not, no. And then just like a bunch of Jags, you know, and and even as we touched down on like if Justin Watson who's probably our number five wide receiver. It's like, do you trust Justin Watson more than you trust Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle or any of those dudes we've had in the last few years? Like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, But the one difference on offense is is that Jarek McKinnon's playing out of his mind right now, and Isaiah Pacheco's coming into his own, but dude, there was something about Kareem Hunt in this offense that just opened everything up. I mean, everything. Yeah. So I think it's it's too soon for me to say. I'm excited to see what this looks like in the playoffs, and I think I'll be able to have a better gauge on that then. We will we will cap it there. I but uh, I will say that this is this is definitely the like deepest team he's ever had because even if we do have injuries or injury concerns during the playoffs with McColl with Kadarius, like I'm not really worried honestly because we got Juju. We got maybe one play from Marquez Valdez Scantley down the field, um, and then of course we have Tyreek. I'm sorry, sorry Travis Kelsey. Of course you have Travis Kelsey. That really makes up for a lot of it, but. If like if like Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle got injured 
and someone else had to come in, you and I would be scared, right? Like, like, like you, you and I would sh- like, oh no, Sammy can't play. Oh no, Demarcus can't play. We're gonna really rely on, on Tyreek. We're really gonna have to rely on Travis. Where I feel like even our best receivers, if they have some health concerns, I'm not too worried just because we're so deep and all these players have like shown that they can play and they can play against good corners, play against good safeties and good secondaries. Um, so man, I'm I'm fired up. This is an incredible offense, and we finally are picking at the right time so good stuff from this offense anything else you want to talk about offense offensively reese before we talk about the defense uh yeah i just want to throw in some props to props to our boy Jarek mckinnon right now with his touchdown this past week he has landed with 10 total touchdowns for the season uh, armando can you name me the four chief players during the andy reed tenure that have double digit touchdowns in a single season uh not just running backs but everybody Anybody. Okay, Travis Kelsey. Bingo. Tyreek Hill. Got it. Jeremy Macklin? Not Macklin. Really? I'll give you you Uh, three strikes. You got two of them. You got two more to go. Receiving touchdowns or touchdowns in general? Total touchdowns. Kareem Hunt. Yep, one more. It's going to be an outlier. I know it. Don't think too hard. Uh, Okay. Mm, tick, 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 tick. Yeah, I don't know. Small Charles. Oh damn it! I I was I was wondering. I was like, wait, because it was like at the very end of Jamal Charles' career. So I was like, was he still? He was still stonking. My Jarek, bad. Jarek McKinnon has ten total touchdowns this season. He also has nine receiving touchdowns, making him the first running back to do that since Marshall Falk. Not cr- <laughs> Wait, in the NFL, like not in, just Chiefs. Well, in Marshall the Falk Super Bowl the Chiefs, era, there's been there's been two people. Marshall Falk is the most recent to do it. I can't the, the one the other one who did it did it back in like the seventies. I can't remember who it is. Wow, but I mean, not Christian McCaffrey, not Kareem Hunt, not Ezekiel Elliott, none of those guys. <laughs> Jarek McKinnon. And one final stat that I think is worth noting. Total receiving touchdowns this season. Jarek McKinnon, nine. Tyreek, Cheetah Man Hill, seven. Lol. <laughs> take take that L, Tyreek. Well, yeah, he's, I mean, he's been playing well. But, man, I'm telling you, Andy Reid, dude. Round, round of applause for Andy Reid. Like, round of applause. I mean, round of applause for, for Patrick Mahomes. But, like, you know, we have uh, we have confirmed it actually from the Travis Kelsey podcast. If you don't listen to that podcast, like, uh, we're 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 not jealous we we actually we, we we want you to listen to to the to the to the kelsey pod um new new heights is what it's called and travis confirmed that um uh that andy's been calling all the places here that maybe you know maybe eb is like relaying it but they've been all of andy's plays and andy's been calling them and look like they're the best offense in the NFL without Tyree kill. And you and I can spend an entire podcast going through every national pundit that counted the chiefs out because Tyree kill was leaving. And you and I were the first, I mean, we weren't the first, but like we were, we were the first to just like go out emphatically calling out Tyree kill and saying, who cares, man, Tyreek, have fun, dude. So, I want to give us a shout out, but also just like a testament to Andy Reid. You know, Andy Reid just like he's figured it out. He's the man. He's the goat. Praise Andy Reid. Have those cheeseburgers, my man. Have those cheeseburgers. We said it before the season here. Depth 
draft picks and cap space and having more B-plus dudes to throw it to might wind up being more beneficial than just spamming Tyreek and spamming Kelsey and letting somebody else try and make a play on third down. This is and this is a good segue actually into our defense. I don't have the numbers here, Reese, but we have to be one of the youngest defenses in the NFL right now, right? Oh, I mean, for sure, like think, at, uh, at least top five, I would say. I don't have the stats in front of me. I think there's one other team that started more rookies on defense this year than we did. Wow. So obviously this is something that Reese and I talk about every week about like, you know, our defense, we got to figure it out. Joshua Williams, why are you out there? Jalen Watson, why are you out there? And then some other guys, you know, know, George Koloftis. Well, actually, you know, we've always been George Koloftis fans, um, but some people in Chiefs Kingdom have not been. I think I think it's so impressive that, you know, I'm still negative about Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson. I'm not changing my tune there, but it's impressive that that we have so much youth on this team and that they've grown like as a unit. Right. Juan Thornhill having two interceptions, uh, Justin Reed having great coverage against Darren Waller. George Karloft is finally finding the quarterback. Uh, Mike Dana coming out of nowhere. Right. Colin Saunders coming out of nowhere. Just these like young dudes that you wouldn't you know, they're not big names. We didn't spend a hundred million dollars like the Broncos, like the like the Chargers, like the Raiders to revamp their defense. But like Brett Veach went the meadow way, right? Although I know some people in our text chain will be like, "Well, that's just a regular rebuild. You just rebuild with your rookies." Ooh, like, no, this shade. is this is this is atypical, man. What the Chiefs are doing, and I will cold snack take back not Spags. I still have an issue with Spags, but I will cold snack take back our defense as a whole and saying I'm really liking what they're doing. Um, I'm not going to say we're above average because I've been let down before, but I will say like for us being this young and now coming to be like a pretty average defense, looking, trending up, like Colts neck take back, man. I'm really happy with the showing yesterday. And look, it's against Jared Stidham. Devontae Adams is still out there. Darren Waller was still out there. Joshua Jacobs still out there. They're still running their routes and they're still some of the best in the league and our guy showed up Reese I'm very I'm very happy cold snack music start playing all right so first off good shout out to our boy Kalen Saunders we've loved him ever since he was doing backflips over at Western Illinois that's and true this year, yeah I think we've always been fans this year we knew he could prove himself he says a matter of getting healthy and getting the reps needed and you know props to him his back was up against the wall when they signed some dudes in the offseason a nose tackle and we thought you know that was kind of the end of it but Look at him go. He's always running out there 200 miles per hour. He's deceptively athletic. Case in point, when we lined him up, the far back tailback in the eye formation. Oh, it almost worked. Well, and what's so funny is he's so deceptively athletic because the dude's like six feet, 325 pounds. I mean, he's as wide as he is tall. But he's so explosive. Like, the minute he took off out of the backfield, the guy <laughs> playing linebacker's like, oh, crap, I got to get into coverage. This guy's fast. And albeit, he locked him down. Good for him. But it's just like, you got to respect he was, Kalen he, Saunders, but, but he was also still trying to make a play. Like, you can see him, like, like he would definitely, like, win off of the route and try to, try to like, get athletic. I mean, that that was super impressive. Shout out to him, man. That, absolutely. <laughs> I'd say run that play again. If you want to be successful, you put, like, another not running back back there. So you're just, like, too deep. You got, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know, Nick Allegretti and then Kalen Saunders, and they're both eligible. Speaking of Dude, which, fourth, fourth down, or sorry, fourth quarter, Bill, no, overtime, Bills, Chiefs, AFC Championship game, Colin Saunders with the touchdown. 
Oh, game over. Just imagine. Wait, speaking Just of imagine. eligible, though, was it just me or was there like number 77 on the Raiders <laughs> like reporting as eligible like every single play? Well, what's what's curious is like that that definitely shouldn't that, that that's also not the first time that we've seen that. But why is that the first time that I've heard it being announced? Yeah, I've I I've, mean, I've never heard out. the refs. I've never heard the refs ever go. Seventy-seven is now eligible. I've never heard that before. But but we've always seen like someone also lined up on the line being. I don't understand that rule. That thing was stupid. Yeah, that's so bizarre. I mean, I haven't heard that either. And they the, and they also never used him. Like they only used him because Josh Jacobs was was running the ball. Big brain. Anyway, so our defense. <laughs> I agree with you. We got a lot of young guys in this defense. The future is optimistic for their outcome. George Karloftis with five sacks in the last six games, finishing the year oh, with six dude, and I'm a half. Dude, I'm so happy. That's so a very, happy. Res- very respectable rookie season for a guy who's not a big speed kind of defensive end. But he's got a high it's motor. Tough. He recovered a couple fumbles. I mean, like I said, if you got a high motor and you keep yourself by the ball, good things will happen. Um. I think my biggest question on this defense is we've seen they can play very well as a unit, but more often than not, they are consistently mediocre to poor on defense. And that's what concerns me because the only, and this is kind of why I brought up what I brought up earlier in the podcast about like, what's the difference between a starting quarterback and a backup quarterback? Is it their pocket presence? Is it all that? Because our defense, defensive line has been most effective in two games this season the one against the Raiders and the one against the San Francisco 49ers and what do both of those teams have in common they have a quarterback that has bad pocket presence and tends to hang on to the ball in the pocket a full second longer than they should and bad things tend to happen what makes Joe Burrow and Josh Allen so difficult is that they got great pocket presence yeah great pocket presence and i don't think we're going to be able to get that kind of pressure on them the way we did jared stidham and jimmy garoppolo uh let alone have give our secondary the luxury of you know only having to lock down their dudes for two or three seconds instead of four to six seconds which tends to be the norm we play those other two teams so sorry for being so mean on the defense uh, I wish I would have seen this more consistently and against better teams than what I have seen, but I still think when it comes down to brass tacks, we're likely to lose in the playoffs due to a combination of our defense come back down to earth and special teams plummeting back to earth. Ugh. Um, I really don't have like a big argument against that because I totally get it. Like I'm, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment and fanboy after a game against Jared Stidham. Um, but I will say that I will say that if Chris Jones can get to the quarterback and like cause pressure, I feel like George Karloftis next to him might be able to make a play. So if we can rush four and like we don't have to get to them every time, but if like man, if we can get to you know Josh Allen or Joe Burrow on a third down. Uh, you know the third quarter fourth quarter we could do it a couple times like i feel like that can be big momentum shifts and i feel like chris jones can do that like chris chris jones he has the most sacks right now out of any defensive tackle in the nfl um and if if george can like as a byproduct get to the quarterback i also i also think we should bench frank clark officially and just put carlos dunlap out there with the first unit and let and let frank clark you know uh well i know frank clark's dealing with injury which another reason why the bye week's going to be great but like 
screw it. Let's just, you know, let's let's put George, let's put Chris, let's put Mike Dana, and let's put um, Carlos Dunlap on there on every single third down. Like, those are our guys. Those are the guys that can make a play. Those are the guys that play athletic. Like, I still have hope in those four. And again, they don't have to get to the quarterback every time, but if they can get to him, like I said, in critical moments, like it looks like Chris Jones does, it could be great, man. Now, I will say, another thing that I noticed, recent, I don't know if you noticed this, but I feel like our safeties were more involved in coverage than they've ever been before. Like, we saw a ton of Justin Reed, and we saw a lot of Juan Thornhill, and I don't know if that's because Jared Siddham sucks, or if, like, Spags was just using them more in coverage. So, if that's a trend, I feel like this could be great for us. Yeah, you know, we've seen a few trends in the secondary. Uh, we're seeing Spags being a little bit more uh, determined, dedicated, willing to put Legereus Sneed on the other team's best wide receiver, which I know we've been calling for for basically all season. But the combination of putting Legereus Sneed shadowing the other team's best wide receiver and then having Trent McDuffie really lock down guys on the edges, that takes away a big chunk of the field. And I think that's also contributing to some of the success on defense. We're not seeing Jalen uh, Jalen Watson and Justin Williams you know, being put out on an island the way we were so often for about two-thirds to three-fourths of the season. But like you said, safety play has been great as well. Justin Reed, after that Cincinnati game, has really kind of like kept his mouth shut and let his play down the talking for him. Yeah. We've also seen a small return to form from Juan Thornhill, who we've been talking since his rookie year, so his flashes of being able to be a dominant force at that safety position. He hits hard. He has an eye for the ball. He's prone to getting blown up every now and again, but who's not? I think he's probably playing for his life at this point because he can be a free agent in the offseason unless we resign him. Uh, I'll be curious to see what the market value is on, to be honest. But yeah, there there have been improvements in the secondary and on the defense as a whole. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to be a hater naysayer. Well, no, no, no. Like I, I just, I just hope that that stays, especially when we're, you know, when you got Jalen Watson paired up with Stefan Diggs, or you have him against, you know, Jamar Chase. And if we can have more help from those guys, and like you have those two back safeties and a cover two, and like really put them out on the edge and let. I mean, what sucks is like it's hard to put Nick Bolton and put Willie Gay out in an island in the middle, but that may be the solution, though, especially when you got guys like, you know, Stefan Diggs that can really change the game. Um, I just hope that that was a schematic difference and that there was a little bit of adjustment and maybe something we can see in the playoffs. Otherwise, going back to your original argument, um, I really don't have much of a debate for it. Like, yes, of course we can lose in the playoffs to the Bengals or the Bills because of our defense. Like, no doubt. Like, I'm. Uh, it's sad, but it's true that I'm just stoked that we're we looked average. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. We, we've said it a million times that Patrick Mahomes just have an, a decent running game and an average defense. The sky's the limit for him. And I think we've seen it when it clicks against the 49ers and against the Raiders. The running game and the defense have both clicked. And as a result, it looks like a team that cannot be stopped. The question is, can we carry that into the playoffs with us? We are going to find out in a couple of weeks because we have the buy. Why don't we talk about this, the significance of the buy after the beer review? Um, so let's go ahead and head to their beer review, Reese. Uh, the Chiefs have the number one offense in the NFL, and Found City Sports Media has the best beer reviews in podcast history. That's right. So stay tuned for an epic beer review by Reese and Carter Bach Lesnar. 
That's right, it's This Week in Craft Beer, the segment of the show where we talk about what's going on this week in craft beer, as well as to review a delicious craft beer for your listening pleasure. Armando, this week's story comes out of Michigan Beer Mecca, Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo. Uh, They are having their winter beer Olympics, including unlimited mimosa brunches, brushes and brews painting parties, build a beer workshop, and more. They're having more than 60 events focused on craft beer, wine, and cocktails from January 13th to January 23rd. Armando, that sounds pretty dope, doesn't it? Kalamazoo, that's Founders? Is Founders out there? I, I always get Founders and Bells mixed up. I, I think, yeah, Founders and Kalamazoo. Or maybe both. Where, uh, let me look this up. Bells Brewing is... And then, and then, and it, Bells is Kalamazoo. Nice. Uh, Founders Brewing. Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids, that's right. Okay, so there you go. So it's at least Bells and a bunch of other guys party. But no, Kalamazoo, party. Big, beer, big beer mecca, spending 10 yeah. days to celebrate that. Would you go Jeez. party in Kalamazoo? Oh, you know it, Reese. Like, man, even just one day, Reese, uh, actually, <laughs> hey, actually, this is a call to everyone. Reese and I are trying to get press passes to the KC Beer Fest out in Kansas City in February. If anybody knows about it, let us know. Because, I mean, even like Reese and I, one day sounds like a dream. 10 days at a beer festival. I, I feel like most people would get tired, but I feel like you and I just love beer so much and like not in the sense that we would just like chug beer, but like we really enjoy like the intricacies of it that we would have fun for 10 days, man. Dude, they're having a cheesecake and beer pairing. Uh, they have a pinball bar called oh, Pinball Palace and they're having a uh, pinball tournament, which oh. sounds pretty dope. Not going to lie. Reese would uh, win. I, don't, I suck at pinball. I'm not gonna lie. Thank you. Really? For me. So, thank, thank you for admonishing my arcade skills. You, you definitely my... seem like a pinball wizard, Reese. Oh, dude, I wish I was. I'm not. Uh, ironically, I'm really terrible at the WrestleMania pinball board. But I think some boards are created more bullcrap than others. Because there's like, because some boards there are spots you can hit where like it just like deads the ball and goes straight down like between the flippers. I'm like, this is a bunch of crap. And you can't do anything. Yeah. No, but like other boards, you should be able to play the board for a long time. It shouldn't be like, oh, you hit this one thing, game over. It's like, oh, it sucks. So, <laughs> anyway, Kalamazoo, if you are in the area, I've heard it's beautiful. Uh, pretty cold this time of the year, so there's not much to do other than drink. So, head on up for the Winter Beer Olympics in do it. Cal- or Kalamazoo's Craft Beverage Week. So, now, speaking of cold upper midwestern beer producing breweries armando i mentioned to you last week that i am on uh, you know trying to be more open-minded this year in trying things and i'm also interested in trying some of those macro breweries that are putting out things that i want to try but i don't necessarily want to get a six-pack of and you know potentially waste a bunch of money on uh i'm gonna be honest dude shiner's christmas ale no, but I'm almost equally scared of trying this Oh, one. no. So, so growing up, my dad's beer choice was Leinenkugels. Just like okay. regular standard Leinenkugels. Yeah, you sure. ever had that? Uh, yeah, the Shandy, right? Yeah, and, and, uh, the, yeah the, the, basically they're the Shandy people. We could do a whole story on that. Uh, but yeah, OG Leinenkugels is, to be honest, a lot like uh, Spotted Cow. It's just like, it's an ale. And it's easy to drink. 
It's better than a domestic beer, but it's not anything to write home about. By the way, may I interject? A friend of mine living in, uh, uh, where does he live? He lives in Switzerland, mm-hmm. messaged me and said, was listening to your podcast and I have a gripe with Reese and Spotted Cow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Bro, come on. No, Spotted Cow. So, so my so he he's a big Orioles fan, so I told him in the off season we'll have him on. We'll talk baseball and then he'll you you and him can go toe to toe. If someone can come on this podcast and tell me three things Spotted Cow does well <laughs> other than not be bad, then I will change my tune on Spotted Cow. I gave them the Hellas. What more do they want from me? Reese is going to ruin our, our Switzerland contingent. <laughs> yeah, I thought Switzerland was supposed to be neutral. Why do they hate me so much? Uh, I don't think they, they don't hate you. He's a good guy. But but anyway, uh, we'll we'll definitely have our our Swiss uh, our Swiss guy on the ground. The uh, Swiss go Superman. go go toe to toe with you. Anyway, continue. So line and kugels. Uh, I'm kind of scared to try this beer. Uh, as my name suggests, I am the beast incarnate Bach Lesnar, and today from Line and Kugels, I have toasted Bach, a refreshing take on a traditional Bach beer. Oh boy! Oh. I and I, I I will preface this that every time that Reese um, Reese reviews something or any of us review something with the word Bach in it. We don't have a good track record, I don't think. We don't. And, and the reason why I'm scared of this is because, like, my first year at Boulevard, they did a toasted, or no, they did a, a smoked Bach, which, uh-huh. like, sounds good That's in hard. theory, but they, like, way overdid it with the smoke flavoring, and it legitimately tasted like a new plunger smells. Oh, God. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that industrial rubber kind of thing that's not good yeah but i know what you're talking about i'm just scared i'm gonna get that from because, lining kugels because like box at their at their finest are very clean so when mm-hmm. you try to like mess with it then it it gets a little hairy yeah i it may have been good with the sandwich but by itself dude it tasted like drinking just like burnt salami Ugh. Oh boy! Well, we are we are hyping this beer up while Reese opens up this incredible beer. Maybe no, um, it's a twist we- off. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! But for those of you that that don't follow this podcast, the the uh, the worst. What I want to say the the beers that are very bad end up being the the best and like funniest beer reviews. So hopefully, if it's not great, we'll we'll have we'll have a good laugh. Um, so for those of you that uh, are the first time following us, thanks for following us. Uh, but we also review our beers in different categories, starting with appearance, then aroma, how does it smell, um, then flavor, then we have mouthfeel, aftertaste, and then we have an ever-changing category called Stonk's Drinkability Quotient, which means how awesome is this beer? How does it make you feel? And like the whole thing, how does the brewery make you feel? The label, all, all, all the above. And we rate these beers from zero to 10. So I can see Reese being already impressed by the appearance. Reese, tell us about the appearance on this Lining Kugel Bach. So I'm a little scared because out of the bottle, it's clean. Yeah, it I looks mean, clean. Again, I can I can kind of see through you on this. I can make out my garage band through the other end of it. Yeah. It had, had a nice inch uh, pillowy head, which is kind of down Pretty to good about head. half inch, quarter inch. I see a lot of carbonation going on in the glass. Uh, the only thing that's given me slight pause is that this is almost the exact same color, albeit much more clean than the Shiner Holiday Ale. 
So I'm getting, getting some PTSD. <laughs> Bad comparisons. Yeah, for those of you who go go back like a month ago, go back four episodes to listen to that one. That was epic. But I'm going to give it to him. It looks clean, so I'm going to give him a hesitant 8.9 on appearance. Ooh, Don't that's high. Me. That's already high remarks for Reese. 8.9, okay. And oh, But uh, I, I will also confirm from my end that does look really good. Good head, translucent. That looks great. All right, well, let's let's do another category then. Reese, how about um, aroma? What does it smell like? Caramely? Yeah, actually, a, a little bit of caramel sweetness in there. You get a lot of the malt on the head, which I like. That's encouraging. A little bit of astringency, but not too much. A little, little pungent in a good way. Uh, let's see, last thing. I guess I do get some of those roasty, toasty, smoky smells to it that you kind of want in a toasted box. So I'll give it an eight on aroma. Ooh, this, I mean, this is above average for Reese when it comes to remarks. So we're on a roll, Reese. But we have the true, uh, the true determinator of this is a good beer or bad beer. We have flavor. Go ahead and take a sip, Reese. Let me know what's going on there. Hmm. Promising. That's not bad. <laughs> what, what, what'd you say? Uh, is it is it good because you thought it was going to be awful, or is it good because it's good? Um, bit of column A, bit of column B. I expected <laughs> this to be really bad, uh, but it's pretty clean. It's pretty clean. A lot of bitterness actually on the front. It's a it's a mild bitterness, but it's very prevalent. Not getting a whole bunch of toasty notes on here. It's easy to drink. It doesn't do a lot for me. But for being a mass-produced macro bock, I think it's a good effort. I'm just gonna give it a uh I'm just gonna give it a 7.1 on flavor. Yeah, it's not bad. 7.1, alright. Pretty good there. Then Reese we have uh what do we have? Mouthfeel. What is it? What does it feel like? Light, heavy, a little bit in between. It's a very sparkly mouthfeel, which you can kind of see from all the carbonation that's going on in the glass. Mm-hmm. I would say, uh, consistency-wise, it has the mouth consistency of juice, but kind of a, a lighter juice, like pomegranate juice, or you know, maybe grape juice or something like that. Uh, otherwise, it's got a bit of a, a cloying sedimenty kind of mouthfeel to it, which is why I brought up pomegranate juice in particular. I'm going to give it one more sip. It's not a deal breaker, but I'm going to give it... I'll give it a 7 on mouthfeel. Okay. Alright, that's not bad. 7, hey, I mean, considering we... we uh, the last beer review you did that you didn't like, I mean, you did you did a couple zeros, so I mean, oh this is going great. gosh. Never again, dude. It's like I almost want to get someone from that company on here just so I can yell at them for like thirty straight minutes. Or like who like who who's their beer salesman and, and like how much did they pay Costco to like seal the deal, you know what I mean? Oh dude, it's like did you ever hear the story about the E. T. Atari video game? No. So back when E. T. came out, there was a rush to put a licensed tie in video game on the market before Christmas, but they only had like 
it was like six months to do it was some insanely short production period so they slapdashed a game together that made basically no sense on how to play uh, especially back in the day because you know you couldn't go on the internet and be like what am i doing how do i do this and it, it, it was terrible and it was such a bad game that the combination of returns and unsold cartridges from bad word of mouth left them with like over a million unsold copies that the urban legend was they just buried in a landfill in New Mexico. And it was like that was always the E.T. urban legend. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> in but I guess like five or six years ago, they actually stumbled across the landfill of like E.T. arcade games. It was like what? essentially Area 51 for video games and they found it. What the heck? Yeah. Um, so that all that to say, that's what the Shiner Holiday Ale is at Costco. It's their like version of trying to get rid of the ET Atari games and just hiding them at Costco and hoping they. Yeah, disappear. forty forty years later, it's going to be a myth, and then people are going to be searching for it in landfills, and they're going to find it, and oh. they're going to drink it. And like by that point, our our palates as humans are just going to be like nasty, so it's going to taste great. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I could drink more of this. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Another part we should actually have Kyle on and talk about the evolution of our taste buds. I feel like that's a Kyle topic. Oh, absolutely. Just like all the things they're putting in the food to like control our opinions on <laughs> tastes and flavors and mind control us. Kyle Kyle just gave us $100,000 on Patreon. Anyway, uh, all right. So we have, other than our weird conspiracy theories, uh, we'll move on to aftertaste. What is, what's the aftertaste on this beer, Reese? Any, yeah. any, any new flavors? Aftertaste is where I get more of the roastiness on the malt. It's not super prevalent, but it's there. And it's kind of nice. Like when you talk, you can taste it too, which is cool that it's like, yeah, this is the beer that just keeps on giving. It's actually not that impactful of a flavor, though, but it's not actually that bad of a flavor. So I'll just say aftertaste on this. Let's give it another seven. All right, solid seven. And then to round it out, Reese, we have our Stonks drinkability quotient. How awesome is beer? How badass is it? Because here's the thing. This Stonks drinkability quotient is going to be brought to you by my, my nostalgia. So I started drinking beer back circa 2012. That's when I turned 21. And at that time, there were fewer than 4,000 craft breweries in the country, which is a far cry from the 9,500 we have nowadays. Back then, craft beer distribution in particular was even more stymied and regionalized. So these craft breweries back then are considered macro breweries now. And that's right. where I'm talking Sierra about. Nevada. Yeah, your, your Boulevard, your Schlafly, your Leinenkugels, Blue Moon, Samuel Adams, all those guys. So you couldn't just roll up to any old bar and get beer that wasn't just like Coors, Miller, Schlitz, all that stuff. You'd have to go to a place that would kind of specialize a little bit more in beer. For example, like Old Chicago. You been to Old Chicago? Right. Yeah. Actually, my in-laws did the, um, when they were dating, they did the beers around the world. Exactly. And if you go and see the beers around the world, I would, you know, your, your memory's probably telling you, oh, they had a bunch of these awesome, cool craft beers. When in reality, they probably just had like Summer Shandy and Two Hearted. Yep. And all those different kinds of beers. This brings me back nice nostalgia in when I was discovering beer. I would say, oh, this is stuff that doesn't just taste like beer. It doesn't taste like a domestic. And it wasn't a super strong flavor of anything, but it was different enough that you knew it was 
different than the other beers. This is the kind of thing I can see myself ordering in one of those like pint and a half steins at Applebee's or at Old Chicago or one of those places and maybe getting a sixer of it and bringing it to a college party and thinking that I was so cool and so sophisticated. So for having a spot in my heart and for hitting me right in the nostalgias, I'll give this beer an 8.4 on Stonk's Drinkability Quotient. Ooh, look at, look at it come back from the dead. Wow, okay. This is, you know, this was definitely a, um, uh, not what we thought it was going to be. We thought this was gonna, just going to be a dig on Leinenkugel for like 20 minutes, but ended up being a solid beer. So everyone, check out this beer, the Leinenkugel Bach. Uh, you can probably find it anywhere. I'm assuming that's National Distro. Um, also, a side note, Reese, not really pertaining to your um, to your beer review, but kind of something you alluded to. Isn't it crazy that like I wouldn't consider ourselves old, but you and I like went to college during the time of a like craft beer boom in america like in american history you know and like now it's just like now it's like on steroids but isn't that crazy that we like we grew up from college to now and like we saw the evolution before our own eyes well and i just want to put this into perspective too you know dogfish heads one of the biggest craft brewers in the country and back when i discovered it again back in 2012 you know, you couldn't get it anywhere in Iowa. They didn't distro in Iowa. When I moved to Kansas City in 2015, they didn't even distro to Kansas City at that time. It wasn't until 2017 that you were able to get Dogfish Head in Kansas City. So, yeah, I mean, it just wow. tells you how long we've been in, like, the beer drinking game, technically. And just <laughs> the way the landscape has changed so much, even over the last five years. It's crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about, like, industries in general, I can't think of one industry other than the beer industry that boomed that much. I mean, even like the tech industry in the eighties, you know, you still had like niche things happening and like, but like, I feel like in beer, it's like this 10 year window that it went from, you know, a certain amount to like, boom, you know, thousands, millions of breweries. It's weird. Yeah. I was just thinking about it as you were talking about all that stuff. Yeah. So line of Kugel's toasted Bach, a blast from the past, on when this was sophistication. Back when even though a Honda is technically an imported car, it's not an imported car. It's a Honda. Speaking about sophistication, Reese, let's talk about this sophisticated Kansas City Chiefs team that is the number one seed in the AFC and has the bye week. We will talk about the playoffs next. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back from a great beer review by Reese. That's right. Line and Kugel, they're Bach. So make sure that you check out that beer, um, especially if you have, you know, all of us have natural distro. So check it out. Drink with us. Let us know how the beer is. Comment on Instagram, all those places. Um, we should do that. Like when, whenever we get super famous, Reese, we should, we should sell like uh, beer tastings with Fountain City Sports Media. Do like four hundred dollars a ticket, and us just talk about like Shinerbach, and <laughs> <No>. <laughs> or just like our like worst beers and our best beers. But just because like we have a good following, people would pay four hundred bucks. What was the one that wouldn't Kyle- that be the dream? That would be the dream. Because what was the beer that Kyle had that was so bad? Was it Lone, Lone Star? Lone Star. <laughs> Dude, I got to find me a Lone Star and try it next to the Shire Holiday Ale. I feel like, I feel like Lone Star, it's, it's like from like Lone Star Steakhouse where they like tried to start a brewery and it just Ugh. failed horribly. 
oh my gosh it's just like meat drippings they distill and add carbonation oh, to oh. rip rip well uh, unripped is the kansas city chiefs uh the chiefs have the number one seed in the afc it, this has been what a what a crazy two weeks reese i mean we talked about the demar hamlin situation um the playoff implications of course we weren't really talking about it but but when it all happened i know there were some kansas city chiefs fans that were upset that you know we were never gonna or we're gonna have this neutral location but like kansas city chiefs fans take a breath like like take a breath we were we were never gonna get this number one seed um at all like this is really a like um I don't want to say it's a gift because of what happened to DeMar Hamlin, but it is like a, this is an anomaly that the chiefs have, have the, the, uh, the uh, number one seat, right? Like it, I'm pretty sure the the Bills would have played a pretty good game against the Bengals. It would have been close, but like there was no guarantee that the Chiefs were going to get the number one seed. So how things played out, I mean, Chiefs like Chiefs are sitting pretty, and I'm not complaining that it could go to a neutral site. You even heard Andy Reid say it doesn't matter where we play; we can play in a McDonald's parking lot. Like let's let's go. I think that was a great response from Andy. But Reese, how? How crazy is it? is it that we have the number one seed? And what does that mean for the Kansas City Chiefs that we have the, that bye week next week? You know, I'm very excited we have the number one seed. Uh, I, I would say for the Chiefs fans that I'm hearing around Kansas City about the ruling they did, I'm kind of with you. I think it was probably a 50-50 chance that the Bengals beat the Bills and we sneak our way into the one seed. But, you know, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Uh the biggest gripe I'm hearing, and I mean, Joe Mixon posted on this as well. If there wasn't a protocol in place and the league had to make something up, then I totally get it. That's fine. But the fact there was a protocol already in place and the league and still decided up. to make something up, that rubs me the wrong way. It sets kind of Especially a, Bengals fans. Yeah, but I think, I think Bengals have the right to be upset. Well, I mean, now there's talks, too, that the Bengals didn't know the game was going to get canceled. The assumption, the assumption was when they ended the game that night that, okay, we're going to pick this back up tomorrow, probably. So when the Bills got on the plane to go back home, they're like, oh, wait, this isn't happening anymore. Wow. Uh, so I, I do feel bad for the Bengals, you know, because they ultimately got screwed because they don't have a chance for the one seed, the bye or even the neutral site. Yeah, I'm a little surprised crazy. that the Bengals versus us in an AFC title game wouldn't be a neutral site. But also, I said this to the group chat too, I think the concept of putting the AFC title game in a neutral site worries me because, I mean, the NFL is going to start seeing dollar signs floating around and going like, huh, so we're already getting money from cities to bid for a Super Bowl. You know, what if we cut the price in half and had them bid for uh, AFC and NFC title games in the future? You know? NFL PA would be all over that. There's no way. I mean, I would like to believe they would, uh, but <clears throat> can't you see the league being like, "Oh, great, we can have the AFC title game in Las Vegas," you know, and bring a bunch of people in, and we'll sell that out, no problem, and we'll get big Prob- money. And- yeah, but like at the same time, I just feel like there's so much on the line for these teams like like for example before the demar hamlin debacle um like the bills that's all they were talking about all they were talking about was home field advantage and how important it was when they played the chiefs so i feel like if the nfl just goes "Ooh, that was fun we made a lot of money let's just keep it then that changes 
is like the whole competitive level for the, I mean, of course they're going to play their hearts out, but they're really going to play their hearts out if the bills can, you know, be at home the entire, you know, the entirety before the Super Bowl. They would, but considering the NFL is classified as an entertainment industry and not a sports industry, you know, it tells yeah, well, me that that's they're where they're... do what's ever most entertaining for themselves and their fans. Integrity mm. of the game, be darned. So that's my two cents. I'm happy we got the buy. I would <laughs> rather have the buy than you know magical home field at the the whole playoffs, yeah. which I think is why having this the two seed having a buy was so important. But yeah. That's just my two cents. Yeah, no, I, I, I think like this is the again. I'm not saying good or positive in a way because of Demar Hamlin's injury. I'm just saying from the Chiefs' perspective, this is the best thing that could have happened. But please don't take that in a bad way, Kansas City Chiefs fans or anybody listening, um, because the Kansas City Chiefs, like again, probably don't. I'm going to be honest; they probably don't deserve the the the, uh, the uh, number one seed because that that game didn't play out. So we get the number one seed. We also get um, we 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 also get the bye week, which again we have injuries on this team. McCole Hardman, Frank Clark. We have another week for Andy Reid to kind of figure out the playbook even more to tweak things. Again, like he's a genius, and to give him another week, like out of anyone in the NFL, you don't want to give Andy Reid another week to figure things out. So like it's perfect timing as well. And then more importantly, we also have the Bills and the Bengals on the other side of of the playoffs like they're gonna have to play each other before we play each other there was a time where we probably could have had to have played um the the uh, the Bengals first and then if we beat the Bengals, we're gonna have to play the bills now if we beat either the Chargers or the jags we only have to beat the bills or the Bengals, which is great so i mean there's like this is really best case scenario for the chiefs in that respect and i mean this this could be a big game changer for us especially because there are things that that that, that they do need to tweak on defense there's things that you know now they have another week to how are we going to put Kadarius tony how are we going to put mccall hartman how are we going to put jeremy kinnon all in the same field can we start utilizing ronald jones get screw it can 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 we put in melvin gordon for like two or three plays i mean now you can do things like that and 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 prepare for a really good bills team a really good Bengals team and um we can talk right now about who our opponent might be later but like man this is this is looking great for the chiefs chiefs enjoy that enjoy this week off um go go play call of duty together um pat pat work with kelsey and mvs and all those you guys go play quads or whatever you play and like get that chemistry going man i'm, I'm fired up yeah uh, i do have to say that bye week is very important for us like you said to heal up some of these guys coming off of not ir necessarily but again reactivated properly like mccall hardman because i have now had my turf toe i've been dealing with for i think just oh about, yeah what's almost, what's your turf toe update sorry i haven't been asking well so it's better it's you know naturally healing it's been about a month but i can understand why some of these professional athletes are like yo these things take time to heal because like i wouldn't want to play at an nfl level right now with how my foot is i can walk i can run i still don't have full confidence in it that being said i don't have you know like magic novocaine cocaine injections yeah, i was gonna and, like, say they're all in bear tranquilizers bear tranks hyperbolic time chambers stem cell smoothies they got all those things that i don't have <laughs> access to but it takes time. So I'm glad we have that bye week to heal up and be at full strength as much as we can. Because you talked about it earlier. You know, we really haven't seen this offense with all the weapons at their disposal. 
And I think the closest we saw to actually bottoming out weapons-wise was that Jacksonville game earlier on in the year when it's like that was the Kadarius-Tony game just because we didn't have anybody else to throw to. Next Saturday, or sorry, this Saturday, we got Chargers versus the Jags. Reese, who do you got? And then from there, uh, what should the Chiefs be looking for in that opponent? Man, this game is so hard. The Chargers have come on pretty strong towards the end of the year, winners of four of their last five. Uh, I, I was blown away they lost to Denver last week. What was Staley and co. thinking? But we we know this team has a lot of weapons on it. You know, they got those big two wide receivers. They got Austin Eckler. They got Justin, the man, Herbert. The list goes on. That being said, Jacksonville is also riding pretty hot on a streak of their own. Uh, those Jaguars finished the year with five straight wins after getting blown out by the Lions, and every week was fighting for their playoff lives. And they got two victories over the Titans and one victory over the Cowboys in that span. So I, I think the game is probably a little bit tighter than a toss-up. Um I don't know what to say. An oft-forgotten fact is they played Jacksonville earlier in the year and they got blown out 38-10. to mm. But that was that was a much different Jacksonville team at the time, and that was the first game after Justin Herbert had fractured his ribs against us. So who knows mm. like what percentage he was playing at. Sure. I think I have to go with my gut saying the Chargers will win this game, but I also think Jacksonville is very capable of winning this game, and that is what I hope happens. I expect uh. the Chargers. I am hoping for a Jacksonville win. Um, I, I didn't watch the Broncos game. I know that I know that Staley sat some people, and then he eventually sat... Uh, I think he sat like Herbert at some point, but then like Keaton Allen was in the game the entire time. I mean, it's really boneheaded stuff, especially now that we're hearing um, we're hearing that Sean Payton, of course, he wants a Chargers job, but he also like already has his staff picked out for whatever team he picks, and like. Yeah, like like there. I forgot. I, I was listening to ESPN today, and they were like, they're like, there's there, there's reports that like Sean Payne, whatever job he gets, he already has everything ready to go. Like from uh. day one, he has his DC, his OC, like quarterback coach, everything down to like special teams coordinator, like already picked out and like agreed that that, that they're going to play for him. So, um, so I think Staley, I think Staley knows that this is it for him, and and I also think that like I, I think Herbert does like. Staley like I know national media and we don't like Staley but like I really think that that the guys in that locker room and like him so I think they're really going to play for him I think the Chargers are peaking at a really good time although they lost the Broncos um I am a big Justin Herbert fan. We know that from the checks chain, but we also know this from here. I've I've compared um, Herbert and Mahomes as like the best divisional quarterback duo in NFL history, and I still stand by. It. I still think you know the things that Justin Herbert does. He doesn't do it all the time, but but when he has like those strokes of things, like it's better than Joe Burrow. It's better than I don't know. There's not a lot of good quarterbacks these days. It's better than Jalen Hurts. It's not better than Josh Allen or. Patrick Mahomes but he can make plays man so I I foresee the Chargers having a statement win against against the Jags I think uh Doug Peterson's done a great job and I think um Trevor Lawrence is is there but I um and he's there to stay obviously I think he's a franchise quarterback going forward but I don't think it's their time yet I think I think there's still going to be some growing pains there I think in the future they're going to be a great team but they're they're not there yet where I think the Chargers know that last year they should have been in the playoffs and I think they're ready to go so I say they win um and we're gonna have to face them in two weeks I believe yeah I think you're right 
fills me with a bit of dread because I know it's extremely difficult to beat a team three times in one Ugh. year. Oh, so much goodness. tape out there. God. The only example I can think of was the Tennessee Titans in their first year as the Titans beat Mark Brunel and the Jacksonville Jaguars three times in like 1999. Wow. But other than that, I'm like, who's beaten a team three times in one year? I mean, if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be the the almost greatest show on turf, Kansas City Chiefs, hopefully. But that's going to be a great game. No matter what, it's always a good game, Chiefs Chargers. So uh, we'll, why don't we wait, why don't we wait until next week? We'll see who wins, and then we can really deep dive into that. Uh, Reese, let's go to the other games. Uh, let's start with um, let's start with the Bills Dolphins. So. Uh, Let's so obviously if Skylar Thompson plays, like Bills are gonna blow him out. What if Tua plays, Reese? What if what if Tua plays? I still don't think Tua's that good. I do think Tua is a market enough improvement over Skylar Thompson that that offense clicks a lot. Better. I don't even know if that's his name. I just made that up. Oh really? <laughs> See, I didn't even know his name either. You, just, you sounded so confident. I thought you were telling. I the think truth. it's Skylar Thompson. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Gunther. It's probably it's probably like it's probably like Maparita. <laughs> Yeah, Matt Farita. <laughs> Trevor Coleman. No. Uh, yeah, I think I'm not afraid of the Dolphins, personally. It's actually uh, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. Skyler is, the, but he's third string. Teddy, oh, Teddy, Teddy would play. Bridgewater. Oh, dude, the, the Bills are going to eviscerate Teddy Bridgewater, if that's the case. <laughs> but, like I said, Tua is better than both of them in the sense of he makes a lot of routine throws that when you got routine throws to dudes like Gasecki and Waddle and Tyree Kill and you can just say go run you know good things happen when you do that I mean they beat the Bills once they almost did it a second time Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think the rubber match between those guys if Tua plays could be close but I don't see the Bills losing to them in the playoffs what is what is the percentage that the Bills secondary have have the uh, the uh, yips against Tyreek Hill because they have PTSD from last year's AFC Championship game? Oh my goodness! Um, or sorry, divisional game. Man, I'll tell you what: the, the entire strategy is be like lock down Tyreek Hill and Waddle and ha- like make them find some other way to beat you because I don't know what that team can do outside those two guys. Mike, so. Mike Gusecki, five touchdowns. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, Mike Gusecki. So, yeah, I'm going to pick Bills over Dolphins in that one. Probably, let's say it's uh, 37 to 24. Oof. Yeah, I I mean, it's a no-brainer that the Bills are better than the Dolphins, even with Tua. I just feel like from that first loss that they had, and like maybe if Tua's better, um, I'd... I wouldn't be surprised if maybe like to close the first half it's tied and then the Bills blow them out. But like I feel like there, if Tua does play, I feel like it could be a fun game. Like I think it, it, it'll still be enjoyable. It's not going to be a TCU Georgia game. Oh gosh! Um, but but I definitely feel like you know I feel like the the uh, the Dolphins will put up a fight, especially with Waddle and Hill there. But yeah, we'll see. Probably Bills. Um, all right, and let's let's. Uh, oh, go ahead. So we can say something. I was going to say yeah. I, I just foresee the Bills jumping out to a 10 point lead and the Dolphins playing catch up for the rest of the game and never catching back up to him yeah that's that's probably likely but hey who knows you can hey if, if they just do like a dump off to Hill and Waddle on the left and right side the whole time who knows dude who sees what happens yeah baby um okay rounding out the podcast um because we can talk about the 
NFC, but that might be too long. So let's just finish it out with the six and the three game. Uh, Ravens versus the Bengals. Say, I think Lamar Jackson's playing. It's not official, but but it's looking like he could. I know that you had brought up that maybe because of contracts that he might not play, but assuming he plays, Reese, what do you got? Man, it's so hard to say because Lamar is such an explosive athlete that relies on his legs, and he hasn't played now for, what, four or five weeks? Yeah, it's so been a while. Who knows what kind of game shape he'll be in and how much ring rust he needs to shake off. But, you know, we saw at the last game the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have lost their right tackle for the year to an ACL tear. They lost their right guard in the second half of last week, and suddenly that game became a lot more close and that Bengals offense sputtered and shut down. It's so bizarre that like we're the only team that can't shut that offense down. It, we, have, we have Chris Jones. Like, what the hell? It blows my mind that we cannot shut that <laughs> offense down. But like the Ravens, Ravens made a game of it with their third string yeah. quarterback hey. last week. Um, I don't think they have the firepower to keep up with Cincinnati. If Lamar plays, I think I think they'll keep it close. If Lamar plays, I think they'll keep it close. I'm going to predict a 28 I'm going to say 28 to 19 win for the Bengals. Wow. Yeah, I I mean I think Chargers Jags is going to be the most interesting game out of the AFC or the closest game. But I think this Bengals game could be... Sorry, I think this could be the most interesting game. I think the Chargers-Jags would be the closest game. Because it, I think it could go either way if Lamar's playing, man. Like, I think I think Jackson has a lot to play for. He has this new contract implication. He's been in the playoffs before and hasn't had any success. Like, he... he maybe he's been healthy or maybe he's like slowly getting back to health that he could be a hundred percent during this game. And like, who's to say, you know, Mark Andrews has a great game or one of his, you know, Duvernay or even Demarcus Robinson, you know, from the dead. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, but yeah, never count out Lamar Jackson's legs. And with Mark Andrews there, who knows, dude, especially after last week, like you said, it was a close game. I think it was a one possession game with their third string quarterback. So, um, I'm excited to watch the game. I just don't. I honestly don't know. Like because because Burrow plays so well against the Chiefs doesn't mean he's going to play so well against the Ravens, like you said. Yeah. Well, here's something interesting about Lamar Jackson that I don't think enough people are talking about. But doesn't it feel like it's been an eternity since Lamar Jackson was considered one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL? Yeah, wasn't it like five years ago that he was like the supposed MVP? That was like five years ago. I think it was. I think it was four years ago. But it's so bizarre because you know there was a time period where people were like, "Is Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes? Who would you start your team with?" And now the answer, uh, it would say Mahomes. What's wrong with you? I, also, I if you were, if you were listening, to, if you listen to this podcast, read the receipts. We were always, we were never pro Lamar Jackson. We were always like way too far on the other end, and we had a lot of flack for that. Hey, who's who's laughing now? Who's laughing now? Yeah, it's it's just so interesting because I mean, he's not a bad quarterback, and I don't think anyone would ever say he's like. Uh, but he's not f- tier one. No, it's like he's now like a good quarterback with. You know, fun upside versus look at this elite quarterback. How do you shut him down? You know, people have gotten footage on him. There, he seems to have regressed in the passing department and injuries. He's had a lot of injuries over the last couple of seasons, which we talked about. We 
you and I said, if you're going to use your legs, I mean, the famous saying, if you F around, you're going to find out. And he's he, he's fine. He found out. He found out pretty quickly when he used those legs. Also, um, I think you and I have talked about this in the podcast a couple of times. You remember when people were saying that he was better than Michael Vick? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, better than my... Like, I, I've, I've said this in the podcast, and I'll say it again. If you've never seen Michael Vick play, please go on YouTube and just watch 10 minutes of him and then never put Lamar Jackson and Michael vick in the same sentence again i mean absolutely if michael vick didn't have the dog fighting the acl injury and had a better Oof. coach michael vick could have been an absolute problem the greatest of all time yeah oh my I mean, gosh like I, I even just like yeah i even just looking at you know him throwing i there was one play where he threw it like 70 yards on the field like flat-footed and i'm just like what oh, who is this guy yeah dude he could <laughs> Man, he could throw it over damn mountains. That was Michael Vick. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, that was a tangent. But uh, okay, so you have the Bengals over the Ravens, right? (laughs) I got Bengals over the Ravens. It could be a big, big old mud fight, but yeah. Dude, oh, uh, did you also hear Patrick Mahomes is the oldest quarterback in the AFC playoffs? Oh, dude, at at 27. I was wondering that the other day. I think before the like the final teams were, were put in place, I'm like, "Yo, dude, I'm like, oh, Mahomes is the old man quarterback." You know, it's like, "Oh wait, no, he's actually the old man quarterback." It's a fact. He's the oldest quarterback at 27 years old. Isn't that crazy? I mean, chalk that up to another reason why I don't think Tom Brady's going to come to the AFC next year. It's like you know he's always gone to the path of least resistance and the division of absolute nothingness and. He's not going to go to the Raiders where he's got two of the top five quarterbacks in the league in just that division, let yeah. alone and what you got going on in the conference. Exactly. And if you look at the second round of the playoffs, it could be Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. Like, come on. Ugh. Come on. This is like cream of the crop. This, I mean, this is the cream of the crop in the NFL. Like, if you go to the, again, we didn't talk about the uh, the uh, NFC, but if, the AFC, like, this is, this is the ticket. This is the pay-per-view. I mean, man, boy, am I excited. Boy, am I slightly scared. But that's but that's the playoffs look you have to you have to beat the best to be the best and that's what it's looking like yeah remember when all we had to worry about was like deshaun watson and lamar jackson like that was it that was it <laughs> or who was who was the quarterback for the for the titans marcus marcus Mariota. remember oh gosh marcus Mariota. yeah Derek carr was considered yeah, but like marcus Mariota was in the playoffs like twice with mike frable i mean it's just like Man, uh, boy, boy, have the tables turned as they, ta- as Mike Scott says. Take me back, man. Well, uh, this has been a fun podcast, Reese. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening to us, everybody. This has been great, um, and we're just getting started. We we normally see an uptick in our podcast uh, during the playoffs, so um, so stay tuned with us. It's a really exciting time, um, man. Man, we're fired up. But everyone, have a good restful week. Uh, you know, a non stressful week so that we don't have to be like watching the Chiefs possibly play the jags and like our defense sucks we can just we can just rest so everybody watch these playoff games have a good time follow us on social media and we'll see you next week and let's go chiefs let's go rest week rest week we'd like to thank you for joining us today on fountain city sports media this podcast is brought to you by listener support so consider becoming a friend of the podcast Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. 
special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 